and every one of you who've made it for this 10 o'clock start on this Remembrance Sunday. It's good to be able to gather along with uh, count, uh, the town across the road. Um, we have that opportunity uh, a bit later on to be able to go and join them. We're having a short service here. Then there'll be the opportunity to move over the road and join the uh, service over the road. And for those of you who wish to remain here, we will have a short service of reflection. I'm conscious I've just got a whistle. Not me personally. <laughs> if you're watching at home this morning, welcome to you too. And uh, we are reminded at the beginning, or halfway through the book of Micah, that it says this in verse 8 of chapter 6. What does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with our God. What a challenge, particularly on this a Remembrance Sunday. But as we think about those words just for a moment before we have our opening song, I want to bring the sad news. Well, sad for us, but not for Jeff. Jeff Goslin was called home yesterday to be with our Lord. And uh, as sad as that is for us, we know that he is in God's loving arms. But for us who are left behind, that's obviously a sadness. And it's good when I think about those words. We know that Jeff walked humbly with his God. It was amazing. Last, this last Sunday I was here, a couple of weeks ago, we had the baptism service and someone testifying to how Jeff's baptism at the age of 90 inspired her to be baptized. And as we think about these words, as we bring our praise to God this morning, we give thanks for Jeff. And we particularly uphold John and the family and uh, we're going to just do that before we have our first song. So can I just invite you just to pause and to pray with me. Father God, we thank you that you want us to keep our eyes fixed on you. That, Lord, you encourage us to act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with you, our God. And, Lord, we thank you for Jeff and for all that he has done over his many 92 years and Lord, we thank you for him, that you have him safe in your arms. But Lord, for those of us here who are just hearing that news and recognizing that we will miss him, uh, that Lord, we just bring before you John and the family at this time. Lord, uphold them. And we thank you for them. And we most of all thank you for the blessing that Jeff has been to so many of us over the many years of which he's been a part at this church. Amen. Amen. Our first song reminds us that we turn our eyes to Calvary, to all that God has done for us through the cross, which he sent his son to die on for us. If you're able, I invite you to stand as we sing this first song. And we can sing our praises to him. We can glorify his name because as people from all over this town and across our world, we are able to praise the name. Come, people of the risen King, who delight to bring him praise. And so, Father God, we thank you that we can rejoice even on a day like this because we recognize that you are the God of all. 
Lord, we thank you that you are the God of yesterday, today, and forever. And Father God, as we remember and give thanks for the willingness of those who have given their own lives for us, Lord, we recognize here, as we have done already, that Lord, the ultimate sacrifice that you also gave for each and every one of your people, your creation, Lord, you created each one of us, you've made us who we are, and Lord, you love us, and for that we thank you, Lord, as we have sung our praises to you this morning, Lord, may we give you our thanks and all the honour that is due to your name, Amen. Amen. Hayley is going to come and give us our notices. Thank you, Hayley. Brilliant. Okay, just a couple of notices. Please join us this evening at 6 p.m. We are gathering around prayer. Please join us here in person or online. This Tuesday, we've got our prayer meeting via Zoom at 8 p.m. And we've got a Wednesday lunchtime service here in the building. Our next Wednesdays at RBC starts again this Wednesday at 7.45. And it's the next session on um, Christianity and climate change. So please do join us. Um, it's a really good opportunity to find out as Christians how we can um, help in that action. And then two more final notices. We are updating our church directory. If you have already been in it before, you should have by now received an email from Ruth wanting to check your details are correct. And if your photo you like is in there, you want a new photo, please do um, respond to that email so she can get that collated. If you haven't had your information put in the church directory and you'd like to, please do contact Ruth. Her email address is on the notice sheet. And then finally, we, is today is the deadline for um, articles for The Grapevine, which is our church magazine. If you've got um, an article that you'd like to share or any kind of testimony, something like that, please do um, email that in so we can read it in the next issue. Thank you. You can see our offering box. Um, you may have already taken or made advantage of the uh, gift contactless payment out in the entrance uh, area, or you may have given online through the website or uh, via your bank. However you have given, or whether you want to still give, you have the opportunity to do that uh, during the course of the service or um, afterwards, or whether you're watching at home now or during the course of the day. We just want to say thank you, and we want to give God the thanks too, and we're going to do that now as we pray. Loving Heavenly Father, we do thank you that we can give to you through not only our time, but also our money to enable the work of God to continue both here, but also in your ministry across this town, across this country, and across our world. Father God, we thank you that in the, what we do give, you use in an abundance and that, Lord, it's not, um, it's, it's not just money, but, Lord, it's the heart that is given as we give our tithes and our offerings to you this day. Lord, we thank you that you use that. And, Lord, we pray a blessing on the ministry that it will be used for in the coming days and weeks. Amen. Amen. Iris is going to uh, read our passage this morning, and it's from Isaiah chapter 11. Thank you, Iris.
a shoot will come up from the stamp of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and of understanding. The spirit of counsel and of power. The spirit of knowledge and of fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears. But with righteousness he will judge the needy. With justice he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. With the breath of his lips he will slay the wicked. Righteousness will be his belt, and faithfulness the sash round his waist. The wolf will live with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat. The calf and the lamb and the yearling together. And a little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear. Their young will lie down together. And the lion will eat straw like an ox. The infant will play near the hole of the cobra. And the young child will put his hand into the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain. For the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. On that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples. The nations will rely on him and will place, and the, his place of rest will be glorious. In that day, the Lord will reach out his hand a second time to reclaim the remnant that is left of his people from Assyria, from Lower Egypt, from Lower Upper Egypt, from Cash, from Elam, from Babylonia, from Hamath, and from the Isles of the Sea. He will rise a banner of the nations and gather the exiles of Israel. He will assemble the scattered people of Judah from the four quarters of the earth. Ephraim's jealousy will vanish and Judah's em enemies will be cut off. Ephraim will not be jealous of Judah, nor Judah hostile towards Ephraim. They will swoop down on the slopes of Philistia in the west. Together they will plunder the people to the east. They will land, lay hands on Edom and Moab, and the Amorites will be subject to them, and the Lord will dry up the gulf of the Egyptian sea. With scorching wind, he will sweep his hand over the Euphrates River. He will break it up into seven streams so that the men can cross over it in sandals. There will be a highway for the remnant of his people that is left from Assyria as there was for Israel when they came up from Egypt. Iris, and thank you, Hayley. 
still got a whistle. Those verses that Iris has just read to us, they are bringing a message of hope which have followed on, if we looked in the previous chapter, of what Isaiah was prophesying about Assyria. Assyria, this mighty nation whose armies were sweeping across the country of Judah, who were, because they were sweeping across, were seeing people fleeing for their lives. And eventually they arrived outside the walls of Jerusalem and set up camp. Can you imagine the people inside those walls looking out at this grand and huge army encamped outside and wondering what on earth was going to happen. Do you want me to switch to the handheld? Yes? Okay, just one second. They looked out, and there in front of them was this army. And I'm sure as they listened to those words of Isaiah, they must have wondered, really? Isaiah, God's really going to come in and destroy this people, these Assyrians, this mighty army? And yet Isaiah's words were saying, yes. We have a God of all armies, the God of the armies of heaven. He is going to chop down that mighty tree of Assyria. And I'm sure they were probably really pleased to hear that, although possibly slightly doubtful when they could see the army surrounding the walls. But of course, Isaiah went on to say that not only was God going to destroy the enemy Assyria, break it down, chop it, the mighty tree down, referring to Assyria, chop it down and destroy it. But he was also going to do that to his own people because of their unfaithfulness, because of their sin, because of their disobedience, because of their worship of other gods, because of the way they had failed to follow God's commands. And so along with that message where they could hear that the army of Assyria was going to be destroyed, so too was a judgment to come on them. But within these verses that Iris has read, there is the promise. The promise that out of that brokenness and out of that judgment of God's people will come a new shoot, a new branch from what had been before, and there would be an even bigger and better hope. As we firstly think about the past, we are very conscious that today is Remembrance Sunday, the day that nationally we pause and remember and commemorate those who lost their lives in World War One. Particularly, that's where it stems back to the war that ends all wars. Except it didn't, did it? We know that because not really many years later, we had World War II. We've had the war against Iraq. We've had the war against Afghanistan. We know of the hundreds and thousands of lives that have been killed over the years. The sacrifices of the many. If you are watching the um, BBC One program as they did the service uh, in the Albert Hall, you would have had an echo of that and of the continuing echoes 
of the wars that continue to take place and the place and the lives that continue to be destroyed. Whether we've been directly or indirectly involved in so many of them, people's lives have been taken and people's lives have been altered as a result. Many of us need a reminder of the hope that we can see here in this passage from Isaiah. The hope that comes only from God. Because God is the only one who really rules with the justice that means that there will be fairness. God is the only one with the spirit of wisdom and understanding, of counsel and of might, as it says in the passage. God is the only one who really judges, as I say, in fairness and in truth. God is the only one in whom we can place our hope and know that true justice and true peace will prevail. As I was thinking about this morning's service, I was thinking about some of the things that cause that kind of bitterness and enmity and anger between one and another. And so often it's our prejudices and our judgments and our, our viewpoints, isn't it, that means that sometimes we don't treat others as perhaps we should. It might not be about someone's appearance or about uh, the way they speak or where they live or why they've uh, moved around the world or into, into different places. But sometimes it's our attitudes towards another's actions, towards another's behaviors, towards another's standards and the way that they live, towards another because of the choices that they make or the things that they do. And so often our prejudices, our judgments, our attitudes are as a result because we are measuring them against our standards of behavior. Sometimes we're doing it because we are responding or reacting to what we have been told about another. You could say that's hearsay or gossip. But sadly, sometimes we don't check whether something is true. We just react and respond negatively. Sometimes we feel that life is treating another better than we are being treated. And our attitude and our response is not one that God would want. But it's one that's driven out of our own selfishness and out of the way that perhaps we wish things were better for us. Sometimes we do it consciously, but other times we do it subconsciously. And I wondered this morning if many of us here or at home have had that kind of subconscious thought. You've maybe not even verbalized it, but you've just been aware of it in, our back, in, our, in the back of our head. Maybe we've thought, what are they wearing? Well, I wouldn't have chosen to sing that this morning. Why do they do that? Don't they know how to behave? I wish someone would listen to me. All of those kind of thoughts that we can have sometimes are coming out of our own uh, feelings and out of our own ways of being rather than recognizing 
But actually, that's not how we should be. But sadly, sometimes our prejudices and our attitudes and our behaviors can make things blow out of all proportion, leaving behind anger and bitterness, leaving behind a sense that we don't want to spend time with them. We don't even want to sit next to them. We don't want to talk to them. Because somehow we feel that we are in the right and they are in the wrong. Peace, fairness, justice. Do we really apply that in our own lives in the way that we treat or behave or relate to others? That commandment by Jesus to love our neighbor, neighbor as ourselves can often be so far away from the reality of our day-to-day living. And then when you think about what has gone on in our world in the past, we realize that really so much of it is about power and selfishness and greed. And so the list goes on. We're remembering the past, but secondly, we are also looking at the impossible future. In that passage that Iris read to us in verses 6 to 9, we heard about the wolf and the lamb lying down together, and we can't begin to imagine a time when that may be the case. We can't envisage a day when the leopard and the goats will be at peace. We can't imagine when calves and fat cattle will be safe among lions or how a baby can possibly crawl safely amongst poisonous snakes. Those things seem to us to be impossible, unattainable, out of our reach, beyond our comprehension. How can the natural enemy of hunted and the huntee live together? in peace and harmony, it doesn't feel like it could happen. For those of us who were involved in the last Wednesday at RBC session, uh, when we were doing the course Remember When, you may remember in the last course, and if you weren't there, I'm going to just remind you of something of how the impossible became possible. Because we were asked to remember how 50 years ago, Could we ever have imagined a man landing on the moon? Could we ever imagine the fall of communism? Could we ever imagine everybody having their own mobile phone and walking around with one, able to connect with the world, with one another, with internet and everything else that goes alongside that? No. 50 years ago, it would have felt an impossibility. But we know that because of science and technology and advances in knowledge, that is and has been the case for many years. So then as a Bible study group, we were asked that question, well, what do we think is currently impossible that may become possible? We came up with various things. We came up with things such as reversing the damage done to the climate, And many of us will have heard the news reporting from COP26 and that whole mixture of views that are coming out as a result. Some of us thought about the ending of 
war and hatred and the bringing around of world peace. It feels impossible, doesn't it? We talked about the ending of the COVID pandemic, not just here, but across our world, so that once again we can come and sing without masks on and we can mix together and visit and travel and do all the things we want to do, but at the moment it feels impossible. But of course, what feels impossible becomes possible, either through science and technology or because God has intervened and done something mighty. And here in this passage from Isaiah, that is what he is saying. Eventually, the impossible will become possible. The lion and the lamb will be together. The baby will be able to crawl safely among the poisonous snakes because Christ will eventually reign over the whole earth. Hostilities will come to an end when the true love seen in Christ prevails. The impossible becoming possible. And yet, so often on a day like this, when we are remembering the families of those who've been killed in war, when we're focusing on the need for peace and it feeling impossible, we focus so often on the bloodshed and the sacrifice. There's nothing wrong, in a sense, in doing that. And perhaps using the symbol of a bullet bullet can actually be used to represent the cost on both sides of a war and of bloodshed. A number of years ago, Ian had gone to um, one of the European Baptist Federation meetings, and he came home, and he'd flown in from whichever country it was in, and he came home, and, and out of his luggage came a bag of used bullets. I'm not sure how he got it through security. But um, anyway, as you can see on the picture that's going to come up, these bullets had been fashioned into crosses. And the person who brought them had brought them to the meeting to say thank you to his Christian brothers and sisters for praying for his country. Because that country had been torn apart by war and by fighting and through killing. And those used bullet cases had been picked up and transformed into, bullet, into a cross. And he was saying, thank you for praying because there is now peace in this country. And of course, as you look at the cross, you are reminded that peace had come to that war-torn country because of prayers But also, as we look at the cross, we're reminded the ultimate death on the cross by which the Prince of Peace means that there will be peace in the end for us all. In a sense, that's what we were trying to portray in 2018 when we used the poppy cross to mark the 100 years since the ending of World War I. And we can have the second picture up and it will remind us of what we were trying to achieve if we can have the second picture. There it was. We hung it up outside. We've got the poppy cross up there too to remind us not only were their lives lost, but the ultimate sacrifice of Jesus on that cross means that there will be eventually victory over hatred and violence and war. Thank you. You can take the pictures down. The impossible becomes possible because God 
is the God of all, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the Prince of peace. Nothing is impossible with God. And the passage finishes in Isaiah with that promise in verse 12 of the banner of God that will be the banner of salvation to all the world to which nations will rally. And it reminded me of the passage from Exodus 17 where Joshua was fighting the Amalekites as Moses had ordered. And Moses and Aaron and Hur had gone to the top of the hill. And as long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But when he lowered his hands, we know that they began to lose. And so Moses was given a stone to sit on and Aaron and Hur held up his hands until eventually the Amalekites were overcome by the Israelites. And the Moses built an altar and called it, the Lord is my banner. And the Israelites would have been familiar with that concept of God being their banner. Not only because of that example from Exodus, but also because of the way that he has his arms and his banner over us all. Isaiah here in this passage is telling them of the promise and the hope to come. Yes, there would be a brokenness. Yes, there would be an exile. But out of that exile would come new hope. A remnant would return to Jerusalem again. And we know that's what happened. But they didn't at the time. But we also know that in this passage we are being told that another time will come when God will bring all of his scattered people back under the rule of the Messiah, the true Prince of Peace. Victory will finally be complete. The impossible will become the possible. But the question is, will we be ready when that moment comes? When Christ's return, will we be ready to respond to the call? Will we recognize his voice and have we been faithful? Have we loved mercy, acted justly and walked humbly with our God in our day-to-day -day lives. We do live in a broken world. It's been broken because of the way that we and others have treated it. Even the way we have treated one another, our Christian brothers and sisters across our world. Our world is broken because of power and selfishness and greed. We too are guilty because of the choices we make and the way we relate and behave one to another. Sometimes when we pray, we feel that our prayers for peace are too small and the situation too big. But nothing is impossible with God. There is always hope because of God. You were hopefully given two pieces of wool as you came into church today. One white, reminding us of the symbol of peace. The other red to remind us of the blood that was shed by Jesus for us. Not only his blood, but also the blood of the many over the years in the wars that we are remembering today. But what I want us to do as we listen to a video in a moment is while we watch the video, to use that white and that red wool, the reminder of peace and the reminder of sacrifice, and tie it into a cross to remind us of God's love for his world. 
the world back then, as Isaiah was talking, the world for us today and the world that is to come, reminding us that the impossible can become possible because of what Christ has already done for us on the cross. So I encourage you to tie it together as we watch this video and to form it into a cross. Thank you.
As we hold that cross in our hands, let's just pray. Father God, we pray for all those who've lost and suffered in active service in the wars over the last number of years. As we honour and remember them, may we put our faith in your future, remembering that you are the source of life and hope, both now and forever. Lord, we thank you for the fact that you are with us in our sadness. We pray for those, particularly in our own family here, who are suffering and struggling at this time. Lord, draw close to them, we pray. And Lord, as in a moment we join and remember those during the two-minute silence, Lord, we pray that you will help us to hold fast to you. Particularly remember our, the families of Don and Margot and Margaret, for Jeff and also for Barbara Williams, who lost her mum yesterday. Father God, surround each one of those, we pray, with your love. And help us to remain faithful to you. For we ask this in your name. Amen. Our last song reminds us that there is so much to give thanks to God for. As we sing, thine be the glory. We've got a five-minute break before our next service uh, begins. If you want to go over the road and join with the town to do that, you are welcome to do that during this five-minute period. If you wish to remain here for our short act of remembrance, you are welcome to do that too. And you will be asked to have a poppy and to hold a poppy as part of that. If you are wearing a poppy... Please, I would just ask you, to maybe you don't need to unpin it, but just to hold it. If you haven't got one, there will be some coming around in the next few minutes in baskets, so you'll have that opportunity to hold and have one. Let's just close our time together in prayer. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all, both now and forevermore. Amen. Amen. Can I just check everybody's got a poppy, either for holding or they're wearing one? That would be really helpful. If you haven't, there are some at the front. What we're going to do for our act of remembrance is we're going to just watch a video. It's going to just start in order to help prepare our hearts in readiness for the two-minute silence. And so there's going to be a series of pictures and of words with some music. And then the music will fade out. And that will be the moment that two-minute silence will begin. And hopefully that will coincide with the two-minute silence across the road. And then we will uh, begin with a time of prayer. And so can I just invite you, as we watch the video, let's remember before God all those who have died in war. And as we hold the poppy in our hands... Or we remember the one that we are wearing. Let's remember too those who are still being impacted by war today. Thank you.
nor the years condemn. At the going down of the sun and in the morning, we will remember them. We repeat, we will remember them. Can I ask you to take your seats? And we're going to continue in prayer. And I believe we might have a couple of young people coming to uh, lead us in prayer. No. Okay, I will lead us in prayer. Let us pray. Almighty and eternal God, we pray that you will hear our prayers and our thanksgiving. We bring before you the families of all those who have died and continue to die in active service. As we honour their courage and cherish their memory, may we put our faith in your future, for you are the source of life and hope, both now and forever. Father God, we remember those who are angry at the loss they have sustained, who have fought and yet continue to fight day by day as a result of the injuries they have suffered. Father God, we remember those who long for words of comfort, yet who find them so very hard to hear. Lord, turn their grief to truer living, their affliction to firmer hope, not just today, but in the days to come. Father God, we ask for those who we may personally know who have been lost or who are mourning as a result of war and heartache and bloodshed. We remember those countries around our world where they are living with the day-to-day -day life of war and pain. We pray that, Lord, you will draw close to them. And even when their strength has given up, you will strengthen them, we pray. Father God, do not abandon each or any of us in our desolation. Keep us safe, we pray, in the midst of our trouble. And complete your purpose for us through your steadfast love and faithfulness. In Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Have we got some prayers to pray? No. Yeah? Do you want to come up and pray now? That would be great. Thank you. morning church young to old in the war beds left and memories kept every day from the from the 28th of July 1914 to the 11th of November 1918 eagerness grew and hope fell we now thank God that in 2021 
we have peace in this country and we aid those in need. The souls of those left are with, are with us today. The poppies represent them and the sacrifices they held. Amen. Thank you. Thank you very much. Let's say the words of the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those that trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. We're going to close this moment together as we sing our final song that reminds us that Jesus is the hope of the nation. It's what we've been remembering in our first part of our service and right now. It is because of what Jesus has done that we can remember and give thanks. I'm going to use the poppies here and form them into a cross as we sing. And maybe if you've got one, you want to come and join, uh, bring it up as well. You are free to do that as we sing. Thank you very much. So as we look at the poppy cross, as we hold our cross of the red and the white, the blood and the peace in our hands, we go knowing, as we've already been looking today, that God can make the impossible become possible because he is the God of heaven and of earth. And so as we make our way home, we go over and join the rest of the service, we maybe mingle for the coffee or the tea that's being served afterwards, let us go knowing that we are loved by God and nothing is impossible when God is at the centre. Go and be blessed, I pray. Amen.